few years ago, I was in Israel uh, in Tiberias, right on the, the shores of the Sea of Galilee at a hotel where we were staying. I got up a little bit earlier than the group so I could have some alone time, went down to breakfast. And there across the dining room was sitting with one other guy, Dr. David Cook, who is the, the uh, chancellor of Dallas Baptist University, the namesake for the Cook School of Leadership, where I just finished my doctoral work. And it's just so unusual. You don't expect to see somebody you know when you're halfway around the world. Have you ever had that experience where you look at somebody and say, well, they're not supposed to be right there. I didn't anticipate seeing that person in this place. And I uh, had one of those. Well, that's, that's really how I want us to unpack the book of Judges, both this morning and the next few weeks. Uh, in our community groups, we're going to be looking at some of the key historical figures in this incredible book. But I, I want us to look at some themes that you don't expect to find sometimes in the Old Testament. They'll bless you, though, as you look. So would you turn in your Bibles to Judges chapter 3 today? Judges chapter 3. I want you to remember kind of the, this, uh, this book. It's a series of vicious cycles. People turn from God. Uh, they end up defeated by surrounding nations. They cry out to God. The Lord raises up a leader. And throughout the process, we see this consistent, really, uh, you know, sad story. But we also see a consistent thread of God working in a unique way. And so uh, look at Judges chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. I need to turn there as well. And uh, we're going to look at the account of the first judge, Othniel. The Israelites cried out to the Lord, so the Lord raised up Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's youngest brother, as a deliverer to save the Israelites. The Spirit of the Lord came on him, and he judged Israel. Othniel went out to battle, and the Lord handed him over to King Cushan Rishathim of Aram to him, uh, so that Othniel overpowered him. When the, hand, the land had peace, then the land had peace for 40 years, and Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. There's a phrase in there, you might underline in your Bibles, it's so interesting to see pop out in the Old Testament sometimes because we don't think of this particular topic very often in the Old Testament, but it's there. It's a really important theme, in fact, in the book of Judges. Here's the phrase, the Spirit of the Lord came on him. You see that? In the book of Judges, you're going to read that same phrase seven times, over and over and over. When you read that, you need to understand what's happening. God's Holy Spirit identifies an individual. He's with that person in a unique way to perform a task, the task of deliverance, the task of winning the battle. Sometimes in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit comes upon the king with the task of ruling a nation. So let's talk about the Holy Spirit for a moment. It's a little theology lesson. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He is God the Spirit. The doctrine of the Trinity means this. There is one God. There's not three gods. There is one God, and he reveals himself in three persons. One God, three persons. The Bible teaches God manifests himself, reveals himself in the person of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And let's be super honest with one another. That is hard to get our minds around. In fact, a lot of the illustrations that have been used through the years in the church to illustrate the, uh, the Holy Spirit or the, the, the Trinity have actually been heresy. <laughs> you heard, you know, the, the Spirit, the, the, the Trinity is kind of like water. You know, it can manifest itself in ice or steam or liquid. No, it doesn't do it justice. I, I've, I've heard them all. I can't figure out one that works. It's hard to figure out. Uh, it, it reminds me of an old Peanuts cartoon. 
uh, where Linus and Lucy and Charlie Brown are lying on their backs. They're looking up at a cloudy sky, and Lucy says to the other two, aren't those clouds beautiful? They look like big balls of cotton. What do you see, Linus? And Linus says in the cartoon, well, those clouds over there look like to me a map of Honduras. And that cloud, uh, group of clouds over there gives me the impression of the stoning of Stephen. And I can even see the Apostle Paul standing over there to the side. Lucy says, well, that's incredible. Charlie Brown, what do you see? Charlie Brown says, well, I was going to say a duck and a horse, but I changed my mind. That's sometimes how we feel, right? Like everybody else gets it but us. But the reality is the Trinity is beyond us. The, the concept of the three-in-one God that we serve, it, it's really beyond our mindset. You say, Pastor, can you explain the, the Trinity to me? I really cannot. I, expl- I can explain the reality of the Trinity. Do you fully understand it? No. But I trust. There's a lot of things that I trust and I enjoy without fully understanding, right? And I'm grateful to God that I can trust him even in this. And so that's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Here's what I do know. The Holy Spirit's work is profoundly important to us. The Bible makes it clear in his word that the Holy Spirit is God himself. He's not a spirit that works for God. He is the spirit of God. He knows things only God knows. He's identified as loving. He's subject to grief. He acts on the basis of decisions that he makes. He is God. But here's also uh, what I know. I know that the, the role of the Holy Spirit should be very important in the life of the believer in Jesus Christ. Uh, if you look at the book of Acts and beyond, you see, obviously, the Holy Spirit's doing a great work in the life of the early church. But what about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament? Well, here, I've got news for you. This shouldn't be a revelation, but the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is the same Holy Spirit in the New Testament. Did you know that? It's not like two different Holy Spirits. That's what we see here. And so we know that the work of the Holy Spirit is different now because the redemption brought about by Jesus Christ has made a relationship available between us and God. Somebody said the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the Spirit's role was visitation. In the New Testament, the Spirit's role is habitation. In other words, in the Old Testament, when the, the Holy Spirit, on the rare occasion, would visit, would come upon an individual, like we see several times in the book of Judges, it was a temporary uh, role, visitation, uh, in order to accomplish a task through, in and through that person. And then that, the, the Holy Spirit would depart. In the New Testament, what happens? The Holy Spirit arrives in the life of a believer when he or she trusts in Jesus Christ. Uh, and then... The Holy Spirit never leaves. So listen, the first step, if there's somebody here today or watching through Kingsland Online, I'm so glad you're with us. Uh, if you've never trusted Christ, you count on the saving power of Jesus Christ and the substitutionary gift he gave us by dying on the cross in our place. When we trust him, we are saved for sure forever. And the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in the believer. He remains his new, new role is habitation. He abides. You literally become the temple of God, the spirit of God. He doesn't go in and out anymore. You got it? So uh, I, I'm reminded of, uh, there's a saying of, or a writing of Augustine that's become sort of a rhyme passed down through seminaries through the years. The old is in the new revealed. The new is in the old concealed. He's the same Holy Spirit. God gave promises, in fact, in the Old Testament that he would later send the Holy Spirit to 
all of his people. And we see those throughout the Old Testament. Let me give you an example, Joel 2.28. After this, I will pour out my spirit on all humanity. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will have dreams and your young men will see visions. God promised that we would receive the Holy Spirit. And, and listen, because you've received the promise of the Holy Spirit, there's a really important application for our lives when we read Old Testament texts like the book of Judges and we see what happened through Othniel because we see this picture of how the Holy Spirit worked in this individual's life in this one extraordinary way and we recognize, wait a second, the Holy Spirit doesn't just come upon kings or judges every now and then now, but if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you have the Holy Spirit and the blessings of the Holy Spirit are available to you. So I want to share with you three of the blessings of the Holy Spirit coming upon the judges that are available to every believer. First of all, I want you to see the Holy Spirit guides. The Holy Spirit guided Othniel. The Holy Spirit guides you as a believer. When you look back at the judges, this was really the main point of the Spirit's coming, wasn't it? Uh, it, it was to grant the judge's wisdom and direction in leadership. That's the nature of a judge. When we talk about a judge sometimes here, we think of the role of a Western judge wearing a robe and has a gavel behind a bench adjudicating a legal case. Now, we're talking about something much broader than that. They're involved in military and governing decisions. The main idea of these judges in this book, they are deliverers, and they're delivering Israel by leading the Israelites to a decision as they heard from God. They're guided by the Spirit. The Spirit comes upon them. They lead Israel in that way. Look back at verse 9 of Judges 3. The Israelites cried out to the Lord. The Lord raised up Othniel, son of Kenaz, Caleb's youngest, younger brother, as a deliverer to save the Israelites. You see, the Holy Spirit anoints the judge in the sense of bringing direction from the Lord. They need deliverance. We, uh, we can see these, these pictures of this in the Old Testament. I think about Moses and the elders of Israel in Numbers chapter 11. So this is a little bit of an aside, it's an interesting account. Moses, uh, we know, is another example in the Old Testament the Holy Spirit came upon him. Do you remember the account of Jethro, his father-in-law, saying, if you don't appoint some help, uh, some other judges, that you're going to burn out? And so he did. He had these 70 elders. And then Numbers 11.25 says this, then the Lord descended in the cloud and spoke to him. He took some of the spirit who was on Moses and placed the spirit, this is the Holy Spirit, on the 70 elders. As the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they never did again. It's very insightful. So let me summarize the next few verses. So 70 elders have now been uh, given the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Spirit's upon them for a period of time to, to carry out the work that Moses was doing as well. They prophesied. There were two of the 70 elders that were not with the others outside the camp. And so they ended up prophesying as well. Even though they weren't with Moses, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Now Joshua, who was just an assistant of Moses at the time, saw these two elders prophesying and sort of freaked out. He thought, this isn't right. That's supposed to be just the role of Moses. He ran to Moses to tell him, hey, these two dudes over here are prophesying. And Moses actually replies in an interesting way, in a prophetic way for what we experience today. This is Numbers eleven twenty nine. Listen. But Moses asked him, are you jealous on my account? If only all the Lord's people were prophets and the Lord would place his spirit on them. 
That's exactly what's happened in the New Testament. Do you see? The Spirit delights in guiding his people. For the believer, we've been given this privilege that was so rare in the Old Testament. It's exactly what happened here. You see, because Jesus paid the penalty for our sins, he made a way for us to know him. We've been given this wonderful gift of the Spirit's guidance. John 14, 26, the words of Christ. Just before he goes to the cross, he says, But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. The Holy Spirit's teaching, guiding. Do you see? Listen, the Holy Spirit is supposed to be for you, if you're a Christian, in the role that Jesus was for the disciples when he was on earth. That's what the Holy Spirit's supposed to do. He's to be your Lord, your director, your friend, your comforter, your guide. And something glorious happens when we begin to listen to the Holy Spirit's promptings and follow his guidance. There's so much joy. I can look back over my life and some of the sweetest moments were when I heard from God. I've never heard from God audibly, but I've heard so clearly through his word, through prayer, through the wise counsel of others who, who validated what the Lord was showing me. I think about a time, I was praying this morning, thinking about 2014. The spring of 2014, Len and I were uh, serving in a church we thought we'd never leave. We, we just loved the people. They were so good to us. And we were going to stay there, and they are going to bury me out back, man. Just churches would call say, just stop calling. I'm not going anywhere. We began the year with a time of prayer and fasting. And as I prayed, the Lord just was saying that you need to prepare your heart for whatever I have for you. Lana, as she prayed, uh, she felt like the Lord gave her the word surrender. So in typical Lana fashion, she had a bracelet made, said surrender. She had it on post-it notes and on the bathroom mirror and stuff. Surrender. This is the year of surrender. And uh, so we said, okay, what does that mean? Well, let's wait and see. Well, it came to be about February. We received a call and we realized God was really uh, impressing upon us that we needed to pray, actually pray about this, this, this church in Katy, Texas, Kingsland. And so we were like, oh, God, I just can't imagine. But we wanted to hear listen. And I remember a pivotal moment. Lana called me one day and she said, Ryan, I, I need to tell you something. In my prayer time this morning, as, uh, as I was praying, uh, I felt, I, I just realized that if God says go and we say no, things will never be the same. And you're like, wow. And it wasn't like, okay, if God says go and we say, no, we love these people, we're never going anywhere, that the Lord is going to punish us for the rest of our lives. It wasn't that. We recognized that as the Spirit guides, you see, he calls us to something great, and we would have missed out on something so beautiful. And now we get to look back eight years later and see how good the Lord has been. Do you see, when the Lord God gives us the Holy Spirit, he guides us. He, he guides us. He leads us. It reminds us of that old song, he leadeth me, O blessed thought. Oh, words with heavenly comfort fraught, whate'er I do, where'er I be, still by God's hand, by his spirit, he leadeth me. Romans 8, 14 puts it this way. For those, all those led by God's spirit are God's sons. We're led. What does the Holy Spirit do in, in the judges' lives and, of course, in every one of our lives who know the Lord Jesus? He guides. I want to show you something else. The Holy Spirit empowers, empowers Look back at Judges 3.10. The Spirit of the Lord came on him, and he judged Israel. 
Othniel went out to battle, and the Lord handed over King Cushan Rishathim of Aram to him, so that Othniel, look at that phrase, overpowered him. Othniel overpowered the king. In reality, it was the spirit of the living God, the presence of the spirit upon Othniel that overpowered the king, you know? We see this over and over in the judges. Of course, Samson is the ultimate example of operating in superhuman strength through the power of the Holy Spirit. But guess what? We've been granted such power as well. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, before Jesus ascends into heaven, he makes the disciples this promise. But you will receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is saying, the task to which I'm calling you, listen, I'm I'm going to give you all the power that you need to accomplish what I'm guiding you to do. Isn't that great news? I have a couple of nephews in the army. I'm sure proud of them. Uh, One of my nephews, Aiden, left for Germany on Friday. He's going to be stationed in Germany. I hope as you think about it, you pray for Aiden. He's a great young man. He used to drive, when he first uh, was in the army, a Bradley fighting vehicle. And then he was a gunner on that same vehicle. Those vehicles cost over $3 million a piece. And when he first told us he was driving a $3 million vehicle, I thought, have they seen you drive a regular car first? Because I don't don't know. But you know what? When he joined the Army, they didn't tell him, you need to save up and buy your own Bradley uh, vehicle before you can you can serve. No, they called him to serve and they gave him all the resources necessary necessary in order to carry out the calling that he'd been given. You see, same thing is true in the Christian life. We've been given this high calling from God. The Holy Spirit guides us, but guess what? He empowers us for everything necessary to live that abundant life to which we're called. The Holy Spirit within us. I think, first of all, of the fruit of the Spirit that we read about in Galatians chapter 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's, that's in the heart of every believer. It's the fruit of abiding with the Holy Spirit. Do you see? Uh, I think about specific, unique spiritual gifts that are bestowed on each believer. and They're unique. They're not the same for all of us. Uh, we read about those in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, a host of specific gifts, callings that are given to each of us. Um, God empowers believers to do things in a supernatural, extraordinary way. Do you know what spiritual gift God has put in your life, has given you? That's such a good thing to know. Incidentally, there are instruments and tests you can take online and all that thing, but I, I am convinced the very best way to know what your gifting is is to hang out with people who love Jesus and let them tell you, this is what I see in you. This is how I see, I see you live this out on a regular basis. Uh, but God's, God's uniquely gifted us. But I'll tell you another part of this empowering of the Holy Spirit that's so important. The Scripture calls it the filling of the Holy Spirit. And to really understand that, I want to show you another text. I told you over and over we see that phrase, the, the Spirit came upon him. But over in Gal- or rather Judges chapter 6, we see a little bit different wording. Judges 6.34, um, speaking of Gideon, I'm going to turn there as well. Judges 6.34, and clearly the Holy Spirit came upon him. But watch this wording here. The Spirit of the Lord enveloped Gideon. Some of you even have a little uh, footnote in your Bibles because it says uh, literally clothed in mine. Uh, Sometimes translated clothed. This word enveloped. Isn't that a beautiful word? Uh, The idea 
is that the Holy Spirit completely transformed Gideon like a hand fitting in a glove. The Revised Standard Version translates it, the Holy Spirit took possession of Gideon. Uh, this, this filling is, is uh, doing something so significant. Uh, when we become believers, we, uh, we have possession of the Holy Spirit. Do you see? We're possessed by the Holy Spirit, if you will. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has possession of us. This is the opportunity of every believer. Uh, Ephesians 5.18, Paul says, And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit or by the Spirit. Filled is another word for controlled in the Spirit. Don't get this confused. Think, well, it's kind of like a gas tank, and every now and then I need to get my emotional tank filled up and, and my energy tank filled up. No, it's not emotion or energy. The, the, the uh, idea in the Scripture of being filled is the idea of being controlled. So to be filled with the Spirit means to be constantly controlled by the Spirit in our mind, emotions, and will. Do you see? Every day, before we go to work or school or about our task, whatever it is, we say, oh, Lord, I want to invite you to have control of, of this life. Lord, I, I empty myself of my own agenda. God, as you give me the grace to do it, Spirit of God, as you give me the power to do it, I want you to control me today. I want you to fill me today. You see, that's the opportunity of every believer because the Holy Spirit has been given to us. What a blessing that is. The Holy Spirit guides, the Holy Spirit empowers, and I want you to notice one more thing. I wish I could say it real pretty and, you know, have alliteration, all this stuff, but I'm just going to say it. The Holy Spirit brings order into chaos. Look back at Judges 3, just verse 11 again. We've already seen the Holy Spirit came upon Othniel, and then he went out, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, he overpowered the king. In verse 11, then the land had peace for 40 years, and Othniel, son of Canaz, died. The land had peace. What was the result of the Holy Spirit's coming? The land had peace. The work of the Holy Spirit always ends up with peace. That's, that's what inevitably happens. It's always the ultimate work of the Spirit. It brings peace. He brings peace to disorder. In fact, if you go back to the very beginning, the first mention of the Holy Spirit is found in creation, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. And listen to what it says. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. There was the Holy Spirit bringing order and peace out of chaos. And of course, we see the same thing in the New Testament over and over. Romans 6 speaks of the opportunity we have to allow the Spirit to provide such peace in our lives. Here's what it says. Now the mindset of the flesh is death. But the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. Did you know that the very salvation we get to enjoy is the ultimate example of God bringing order out of chaos? And the Holy Spirit was intricately involved in your salvation? I, I don't have time to be another sermon to go through all these. If you email me, I'll send you the list. Let me just read you some of the roles of the Holy Spirit in your salvation. The Holy Spirit is the one who convicts of sin. The Holy Spirit points to Jesus. In fact, there's some here today or watching who don't know Christ. I believe it's the Holy Spirit who brought you here to hear the truth of the word of God. I pray that you trust him today. You know, the Holy Spirit is the one who restrains evil. The Holy Spirit brings regeneration, new life at salvation. The Holy Spirit indwells the believer in Jesus. The Holy Spirit baptizes us uh, spiritually into the body. 
The Holy Spirit seals the believer with the guarantee that we are God's possession. Do you see what a gift we've been given at salvation? But listen, the same Spirit that brought order out of the chaos of your lostness and your animosity with God can bring order to the chaos in your life right now. I wonder whether anybody who came today has some chaos in your life. Maybe if you don't, you know someone who does. Isn't it good to know that God will never leave you in that and the Holy Spirit is the one who has come to bring peace into your chaos? When I thought about that this week, I couldn't help but think of one of our members, part of our church family named Tabitha Thiong. If you haven't met her, I hope you'll take an opportunity to do that sometime. An amazing lady. She got to Kingsland about the same time I did, but had a very different story. She knows what it means to be surrounded by chaos. Um, She is from Sudan, endured wars and heartache in Sudan. She and her husband and her family were saved in 1996, were baptized, and uh, lives totally transformed by the power of the gospel, but surrounded by a place that was uh, very averse to the gospel and to Jesus. And her family lost everything. In fact, she ended up having to escape to Ethiopia with four children as she was expecting their fifth child. And then she tragically lost her husband in the midst of living out this life of a refugee. Can you imagine? She had nothing left but Jesus. But Tabitha chose to trust the Lord Jesus Christ and to lean on the help of the Spirit of God. And she said, I remember her telling me this years ago, She said she felt as if the Spirit of God said, if you will trust me, if you'll open your hand, I will give you what you need. And so Tabitha said, God, you will now be my father and my husband, and I will trust you. And God kept meeting her needs. She uh, ended up with a visa to come to the United States. She didn't know English, so she said, God, would you show me how I could speak the language? And by the time she got here, it had only been a matter of weeks. I was amazed how well she could speak the language. And uh, God provided her with a church family that surrounded her in downtown Houston at first. And then God provided her housing and a job in Katy, and so she came here. God provided her with a family of families as she became a part of Kingsland. And God has been faithful over and over again. And when you talk to Tabitha, and now you hear the story eight years later of what the Lord has done, she will tell you the Spirit of God has guided her, has empowered her, and has brought order to chaos. And listen, some of you are going through overwhelming stuff right now. Let me tell you on the authority of the Word of God, the Spirit of the living God can bring you through. Would you bow with me, church? I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll have an opportunity to respond. I wonder whether somebody came today, and you know in your heart of hearts you never trusted Christ as Savior and Lord. I believe you're here today because of that, and I believe the Holy Spirit of God is probably working on your heart right now. I pray that today would be the day of salvation for someone here or someone watching at Kingsland Online. Would you respond as God leads you? I'm quite certain there's some people within the sound of my voice that are walking through a mess right now, a challenge. And the Holy Spirit wants you to know that he'll bring order out of the chaos. He'll bring peace as only he can if you'll trust him. Heavenly Father, would you Call us to a place of decision, wherever it is, that we would learn to trust you.
and enjoy the blessings of the Holy Spirit of the living God available and living in our lives. And I pray for the man or woman who doesn't know you that today would be the day they're sealed by the Spirit, by the power of the cross of Jesus Christ. I pray this in Jesus' name.